Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Yes, we are back after a little hiatus away from the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Moyes Health Podcast. I do hope you are doing well and I do hope you are ready for what is about to come in your ears. I didn't think that one through. <laughs> anyway, it's been a while. How are you? Apologies for the absence, but wanted to make sure that I came back to you guys with some great content. And after well over a hundred and I can't fucking remember how many episodes, 107, yeah, it was about time I had a little bit of a break from the pod. So I've had it, I've enjoyed it, and now it's time to dig into today's episode. And so today I am going to talk to you guys about activity trackers. We love them. And don't get me wrong, I'm a big proponent of trackers. Be that iWatches, Fitbits, Garmin's, even the 20 quid Amazon specials. I am a big advocate for these devices because they enable you to have a clue about how much you move. Because prior to someone whacking on one of these devices, People tend to think they're a lot more active than they actually are. However, these can shine a light on just how much activity you are doing. And obviously, the primary goal, encourage you in most cases to do more. Now, I'm going to preface this a little bit, though, because a lot of people do tend to use their phones as their activity trackers. I've had a lot of clients when they first sign on, they go, oh, no, I don't have a tracker, but I've got my phone. The problem with your phone is a lack of consistency. Your phone is usually always on you in a different way. Even if someone says, oh no, I've always got my phone on me. It's like, well, is it in your hand? Is it in your pocket? Is it on the desk? Is it in your bag? And each of these locations will give obviously a different reading through the accelerometers and therefore will give a different reading as far as your movement. Don't get me wrong, something is better than nothing, but when it comes to a consistent marker of just how much you move, the most important thing is to minimize the variables, of which on inactivity trackers, there are many. Therefore, something on your wrist, consistently on your wrist from the moment you wake until you go to sleep, is going to be the most advantageous way of knowing how much you move. Note there I said about wearing it from wake to sleep. I know a lot of people wear their activity trackers overnight. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to get an idea roughly on how your sleep is or how well you're sleeping, obviously it will pick up on restlessness. But the thing to be wary of, and this has happened a lot, is the battery failing and running out of battery during the day. So what ends up happening is that you go, yeah, I've tracked my sleep. It's brilliant. I'm wearing it over night time. But then actually the day comes around, it goes flat. You take it off, you put it on charge. You don't get an accurate representation of how much you move, which is the very reason you bought it in the first place. So make the most of the features within it, but just keep in mind the primary reason you're wearing the damn thing in the first place. And I'm pretty sure that's not just to tell the time. So it's a rudimentary topic, activity trackers. Why the hell did I want to cover it in this first episode back? Well, they can be incredibly powerful, as we've already touched on, but they can also be incredibly misleading. We've got steps and we've got calories burnt, and these are the two things within the tracker that we're going to pay the most attention to. And I must also stress, this extends to those fancy um, aura rings that people wear as well, which are basically a Fitbit, but within a ring. I'm going to extend it to that because it is important to cover that as well in this guise. 
So, first things first, let's touch on the steps element, which I personally believe is the most powerful and most useful piece of information from your tracker. Steps is not about the magic of hitting a certain number of steps or a step in and of itself. Because a lot of people go, oh, hang on a minute, I've, I've been doing other activities and my Fitbit has picked up on that. Therefore, those aren't actually steps. So is, does that now mean that it's false data? Now, if you are looking at physical, this is how many steps I've done, then you could argue it's false data. But that's not exactly where we're coming from where this is concerned. Because you have to look at the fact of why are you tracking steps? And it should be that you're tracking steps to know how much you're moving in general each day. The reason you want to know how much you're moving in general each day is because that is indicative and conducive, I guess, to finding out your total daily energy expenditure. Well, like I said, we'll get onto the calorie burn in a second. Essentially, you've got four main components of your total daily energy expenditure. That is your basal metabolic rate, how many, body, how many calories your body burns at rest just to keep itself alive. You've got your TEF, which is the thermic effect of feeding. That's how many calories you burn through digestion. You've got your NEAT, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. That's how many calories you burn in day-to-day -day life just in your normal activity. We'll touch more on that in a second. And then you've got EAT, which is your exercise activity thermogenesis, which is how many calories you burn during exercise. Now, the most powerful part of your TDEE that we can manipulate is your NEAT your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Not only does it offer the most bang for your buck in terms of increasing your caloric burn, because it's far more appropriate to focus on the 18 hours of the day that you're potentially awake than it is to worry about the 45 minutes that you're exercising. So NEAT is where we want our focus to be and your activity tracker is picking up on your NEAT. We think of it in the form of steps, whereas in actual fact, we need to think a little bit more vague than that because it doesn't matter if it's come from a step or a movement in your arm through gesticulation or something else. <laughs> the point is that we're looking for movement because any movement in your body is burning calories. And so that's what we're looking to increase. We want you moving more in day-to-day -day life. Now, you might have been vigorously moving your arm cleaning the kitchen i don't know where you think i was going to go with that but you were wrong <laughs> and that in of itself is not necessarily steps but you are moving your arm and therefore you are burning calories in that process of movement plus as mentioned it is lifestyle movement because you're cleaning the house whatever therefore you're burning calories therefore it is on that's that's recording the data that we want it doesn't matter that it's not an actual step the thing to consider, though, is that the flaw in these activity trackers is it's on your wrist. But you'll have a lot of movement where that wrist is stable, but other parts of your body are moving independently of it. Therefore, it's important, like I said, to take it with a little bit of pinch of salt because there is a lot of day-to-day -day movement, a lot of what you're doing, which is not recorded as steps, which is not picked up by your tracker. They're not designed to be super accurate, of which we will explore further as this podcast goes on. They're designed to encourage you to move more and to give you an idea of how much you're moving. The primary goal remains move more in day-to-day -day life. And so 
whether it's right now, for example, my left hand is resting on my desk, but I tend to gesticulate when I talk, so my right hand is gesticulating. My activity tracker has no idea that this arm is moving and therefore is not adding steps, nor is it adding burnt calories for that movement in that arm. Therefore, it's important, as I said, to take the data with a pinch of salt, to give yourself a rough target, a rough guideline of how much to move, to encourage you to move more, but also to understand that it's not going to show everything. The most powerful activity trackers tend to be for those people which are very sedentary, the office workers, for example, and therefore the activity tracker could be incredibly powerful to get them to move more. Whereas if you are already a pretty active person in, in day-to-day life, of course, then the merit behind these devices is a little bit less. But let's not beat around the bush. It's never a bad thing to get an idea of how much you're moving. It's never a bad idea to have a gauge. We know our cars pretty well, don't we? We could probably figure out when we're going to run out of fuel by how often we fill up with our regular journeys to work and school runs, etc. But it's still quite nice to have the fuel gauge there to remind us and let us know how many more journeys we've got in us before we have to refuel. Same thing with the step tracker. It's nice to have that data so we've got an idea of how much we've moved as opposed to flying blind. So in summary for part one, Take steps with a pinch of salt. It's great to have a target. It's great to hit that target, to overachieve upon it. But it's designed to get you to move more in day-to-day life, not just to be, I've done my steps, I'll run up and down the stairs or walk around a few times just to make sure I overachieve on that number because there's going to be some movement that that tracker hasn't picked up on. Plus, It's about being active in day-to-day life. It's not about consciously going out of your way to hit those steps. In due course, we want moving and being active in life to become something of autonomy. It runs in the background. You don't think about it. You're just naturally an active person. And so that brings me on nicely to part two, which is the calories it tells you you're burning. Now, quite a few years ago, uh, and this video is on YouTube if you wanted to search for it, I did a comparison between my then Fitbit Surge and my iWatch, which incidentally is the same one I've got now. Fuck me, I'm due for an upgrade. This was best part of about six, seven years ago, so fair play to Apple. This is still going strong, this good old Series 3. And the numbers were wildly different. The steps, uh, from what I remember, weren't too dissimilar. Um, I believe the Fitbit was a little bit higher, but the calorie burn was very, very different. Plus, the thing to also consider about this caloric burn is it's not accurate. It's not something you can treat as gospel. I've had people in the past where they've trusted these devices to the nth degree that they have used them to create a caloric deficit. So Fitbit, Tracker, whatever, has said that they've burnt 4,000 calories, so they've eaten 3,000 going, yeah, I'm still in a calorie deficit, jobs are good, and then they've wondered why they're not losing any weight. Now, there's a few things to consider with that. Firstly, you have to consider the fact that most people, when they're using their trackers, put in their starting weight, but as weeks and months go by and they potentially do lose, they don't change that number, and that caloric burn is based upon that original weight and that original age as well. And therefore, there's that to consider. But that is a drop in the ocean in comparison to the flaw in the design of these things when it comes to measuring your caloric expenditure. Now, that little green light is powerful. 
the one that shines in your wrist, but it is not particularly good at determining your caloric expenditure. If you actually want to get a true representation of your resting metabolic rate, which is actually what that is essentially assessing, then basically you want to, the test to do it is they sit you in a comfy chair, they put a nice little recline on, they turn off all the lights and they strap an oxygen mask to measure your CO2 output. That is the most accurate way of getting an idea of what your resting metabolic rate is to then determine how many calories you burn at rest. And then of course, from that, you can then work out how many calories you burn through exercise. That's not being done by the little watch on your wrist. And so it's all based upon equations, algorithms, and estimations. And sorry to say folks, most of them are wrong because we are very different and varied as human beings. And so, when it comes to looking at your watch and going, oh, this is how many calories I've burnt, I would not treat it as gospel, nor is it accurate information to use. It's a nice little feature, but it's not really something you should ever truly pay attention to because it's not going to yield what you want in terms of, oh, I can eat this many calories. There is another thing to consider as well. And this is a topic which has come up quite a bit when I've trained more seasoned athletes. What I mean by that is runners, those which are not just coming in, starting up the program and then obviously beginning exercise with me. We're talking people that were already exercising. If you think about a runner when they first start, you tend to get out of breath and, you know, it's, it's a very, very difficult process. Your body's not used to it. And then you ache afterwards. All of that wrapped up in, guess, one experience of what the fuck just happened. But the more you do something, the more efficient you get at it. That's true in, in every walk of life. And so if you take that runner as an example, and you were to look at their caloric burn during a run. So they started their Fitbit at the beginning of the run and then stopped it at the end of the run. And you compared their first run to their most recent run, let's say, I don't know, three, four, five years later, there would be a substantial difference in terms of their actual caloric burn. But in terms of what the Fitbit is showing them or the activity tracker, you wouldn't see too much of a difference. Now, the reason for that is we adapt. The whole process of running, especially endurance running, is to get fitter. And through getting fitter, what is fitter? Fitter is getting more efficient at it to control your usage of oxygen, your expelling of CO2. And hopefully you're starting to see where I'm going with this based upon what I said about the mask and sitting in the dark room earlier. The process of getting fitter means you get more efficient. And that is more efficient at your usage of oxygen and therefore you're more efficient at your usage of energy. So therefore, if a seasoned runner looks down at their watch and goes, oh, I've just burnt a thousand calories doing my run tonight. You haven't burnt a thousand calories. Your body has become very, very efficient at completing the process of running and therefore you are not burning that many calories through your run. Trust me, I've got a wealth of experience seeing this happen, working with athletes who are looking at their trackers and going, oh, surely I can eat those. And they've even tested that theory. And funnily enough, they've put on weight. So 
in summary, activity trackers, what are they good for? They're good to encourage you to move more. They're good to give you a baseline, an idea of how much you're moving. They're a great tool to enable what I've spoken about so many times on these podcasts, which is mindfulness. To be more aware of how you're living your life. Not just to autonomously go through it, but to actively edit and adjust what you're doing. To serve the grand scheme of getting fitter, getting stronger, and ultimately being more confident and happier and everything that comes along with that. Do not treat the data from your tracker as gospel. It's incredibly important that you look after the other areas of your transformation as well, such as the calories of which you're consuming. And of course, the other aspects of your training. It's not all about calories, folks. You know, it's about progressing your own fitness goals as well. Plus, of course, there is a big old wealth of psychology that goes in there too, as we've touched on many a times in this particular series. So use your tracker, enjoy that knowledge, But whatever you do, do not treat it as gospel because there are a myriad of factors that are likely to send you astray and it's far more appropriate to remember the principle of why you are wearing it, which is to encourage you to move more, to be more aware of how much you are moving and to use steps as a guideline for that rather than the calories of which you are burning. So folks, there we go. I don't want to waffle in your ears any longer than is needed. A massive thank you for those of you that have been patient with the podcast. And as you have been patient, do let me know your thoughts on this first episode back. Let me know about your experiences with your own activity tracker, where it may have led you astray, thinking that it was uh, you were burning a certain amount or doing a certain thing. And so just go forward wiser in the knowledge that it's a helpful tool. It's not gospel. And guys and girls, I will see you on the next one. And as always, accept the things of which you cannot change. Have the courage to go forth and change the things that you can. And of course, the wisdom to know the difference. See you next time. Toodles.